Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, August 16th. My name is Jake Luke. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by our other host, Spencer Schultz. What's going on, bud? Hey, Jake. How we doing, everybody? We are right around six minutes into the fourth quarter of the Ravens preseason game. We are recording on Thursday night, obviously, and the Ravens are looking good. What are you seeing out there, Jake? So... What I'm seeing, before we get to what I'm seeing, I don't love what you did there. I want these listeners to think that we spent every waking second of our Thursday night devoted to watching this preseason football game and breaking down every single shred of tape. So you're kind of making this out to be frauds right off the bat. But yeah, what what I saw, I, I did like out of those first three quarters. I think the starters look pretty sharp on both sides of the ball, really. There was some, maybe a couple miscues on defense here and there, offense, uh, you know, maybe clean it up on the penalties, you know, on one player or another. But overall, I think a very solid night against the Green Bay Packers. I am still watching. I have my TV muted. So don't worry, guys. You're getting the full rundown. But, yeah, it's been another strong performance. Why is it, Jake, that the Ravens pres- – I'm going to go ahead and presume that they're going to win this one barring a Packers comeback. They're up 13 right now. 26 to 13. Why do the Ravens win every preseason game? So we were talking about this a little bit uh, offline. That's a little uh, industry term for people that don't know. That means not on the air. Um, is John Harbaugh a tryhard? Do we need to have this discussion? Let's have this discussion. John Tar- Harbaugh is the definition of a football guy, tryhard. And I think that can be said for both of the Harbaugh brothers. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the other one, uh, Jim, very much so with the khakis and the whole milk drinking thing. Um, he is very much a try. And then Jim Harbaugh also like 
leaps over recruits houses and stuff. Like, yeah, like <laughs> just absolutely insane behavior for an adult male in his 40s. But I mean, I guess it works. You get results on the field in the Big Ten and you get results on field on the field in the preseason. I mean, what, what more can you ask for? Yeah, as we were saying earlier, I would rather win 15 in a row in the preseason, 16 in a row, then lose 15 or 16 in a row in the preseason. So it's better to be on this side of it. Well, it depends because you get all the hipsters on Twitter. They're like, oh, the 2008 Detroit Lions, 4-0 in the preseason, 0-16 in the regular season. <laughs> exactly. I, I'll tell you who definitely thinks that John Harbaugh is a tryhard, and that's Bill Belichick. He definitely thinks Harbaugh is a tryhard. Yeah, I could see that. He's just kind of like doesn't even like any any sort of like football game that isn't actually competitive. He's just whatever. I just want to like go watch lacrosse or something like let me just put out this like, you know, six foot quarterback that I drafted from like southern Mississippi State and he's going to just play instead of Tom Brady for the entire month of August and we're not going to worry about this at all. Plus, John Harbaugh will wear like the speed thrills, speed kills T-shirts and have all these mottos and mantras and have the military in. And whenever the Patriots beat the Ravens, John Harbaugh gets furious and tries to like have a rule implemented about how you can't have ineligible linemen, the center of the formation or something. So I'm reading the uh, the Tiger Woods uh, biography that came out a couple years ago. And um, he has this like weird obsession with like being a Navy SEAL. And so like he like does all this like scuba diving and stuff and he plays a lot of SOCOM. So I have the feeling that like John Harbaugh never made it to the NFL like his brother did. So like winning in the preseason and like getting as close as possible to these guys as he can, that's kind of his way of being an NFL player. What do you think about that theory? I agree with it that he loves John Harbaugh loves the minutia of preseason and of training camp and the 90 guys. And he likes the UDFAs and trying to get to really know them. And even if they don't end up sticking around as I'm watching uh, Pat Ricard and Matthew Thomas and Jalen Ferguson slam a running back into the ground in the backfield. Um, but Harbaugh loves that minutia and getting to get a sense of brotherhood and a militaristic kind of brotherhood amongst the team. That's why they don't like uh, huge personalities and Ravens aren't pulling any, you know, media fiascos or anything on social media typically or else they'll be gone and they all know that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess that, maybe wraps up our talk on uh, John Harbaugh's preseason mentality. Uh, but getting into the actual preseason game, uh, it was, yeah, like I said, it was a good one. Um, I, I guess word, I was kind of thinking of what word I would use to describe for it. I thought just kind of crisp would be mine. I think it was a good showing from the offensive starters. Lamar looked very comfortable. He looked kind of in sync with his receivers uh, for certain stretches. He obviously had that uh, highlight touchdown run that got called back that we're going to talk about, but he looked uh, he looked very comfortable out there. So crisp would kind of be the word that I would use. What would be the word or words that you would use for tonight? Somewhat synonymous, I would say smooth is the word that I would use. The offense looked very smooth, under control again even further. And I've kind of written on BaltimoreBeatdown.com and been vocal on Twitter as well as on this podcast saying, that Lamar has improved, yes, but I have not seen in training camp during pre in preseason that he hasn't been getting the ball out quickly. He did that tonight in his, what, three series, I believe. He got the ball out really quickly. He made quick reads and put a lot of pressure on the defense, and that's when he's at his best. And it was also really good to see him uh, try to push the ball downfield to Hayden Hurst. Uh, the, it was a decently placed ball. It wasn't a money ball, but 
it was uh, right there. It was really solid coverage on it. I haven't seen Jackson really air the ball out over 35 or 40 yards a ton. So I've been curious about how much he's going to stretch the ball and where he's going to push it to. So really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, I really don't think they're going to in the preseason. I think they kind of want to hang on to that in as much as that it's going to be linked to their running game. It's going to be a lot of play action stuff where you pound it, pound it, pound it with Mark Ingram and then Hollywood Brown potentially over the top or whoever, you know, whatever tight end is going to be hitting the seam or, you know, whoever would be there to catch that deep pass. I think that's kind of be the mantra and they're not going to be doing a ton of that running or at least not that hard nose type of running in the preseason. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that. But going back to that. Hayden Hurst throw that you mentioned it was yeah it was kind of the right idea you know you put it you know where either your guy can get it or it goes out of bounds it went out of bounds it's kind of whatever like you know it's not a high percentage throw to begin with but uh yeah I think he also had Boykin on that throw deep so it, it was kind of a crapshoot on that one but um either way yeah I don't know I, I liked what I saw from the play calling uh in general what did you think of it play calling was really concise and the uh, offense was getting into the huddle and out of the huddle really quickly. That was uh, something that I noticed that plays were running really quick. Like they were getting up to the line really quickly. Once they were at the line, they weren't forcing it. You know, the motions were kind of being scanned first. And there was a couple checks at the line that I saw. Um, I've been really impressed with just the offensive line had a much stronger performance tonight. And I touched on it, I think two episodes ago, how, they're getting more cohesive and kind of firing off the ball in unison, especially on run designs where all of them are, let's say, you know, it's a zone play. They ran a couple inside zones tonight. If it's an inside zone to the left, to the, into the a gap, the first step forward is going to be your left foot. They're all firing off the ball in their left foot really effectively. So a um, couple guys that really impressed me, Jermaine Illuminor. This is the, the best game I've ever seen out of Jermaine Illuminor. He isn't as kind of, flustered and all over the place he has when he is seems to have the mental aspect of the plays down and be comfortable he has really amazing footwork really quick feet for his size so he's able to cover a lot of ground and get momentum that's why he's great as a pulling guard if he's kind of mentally in the game so i saw a couple of nice uh, trap blocks by him where he filled the b gap really effectively pat mccari then came in and uh ben powers played some right guard as well and I was really impressed with their pass pro. All three of them anchored. Wow, Joe Callahan just bombed a ball to Antoine Wesley down the right sideline and hauled it in about a 45-yard completion. Really nice throw and catch. Wesley is pumped. He's been turning it on in the fourth quarter. Give it. Give us more live commentary on that. So it was man coverage, number 41 on the Packers. I don't have his last name. I'm not aware of their third string corner. So um, Callahan kind of scanned left out of a shotgun spread formation. And Wesley gave a little inside jab step in his release, which was inside leverage, and then just strided right past his man, hauled the ball in, perfectly placed ball. There's actually a red flag down now. I believe the Packers are going to try to challenge pass interference, which John Harbaugh did earlier in the game and was declined. So going to be interesting to see how that pans out to say the least i'm not a fan of the new pass interference rule but keep narrating i want i want more analysis on this got it um so (laughs) they're challenging and antoine wesley is emphatically stating that he brought the ball um let's see so running down the sideline it not even at all there was no push off just a little hand fighting nothing didn't stop the DB's momentum at all. 
just a little hand fighting. It was going both ways. So I think this one's certainly going to stand. Um, rewinding it a little bit, looking back. It was, if anything, 41 was being more grabby. So This is great radio. Stand. There we go. Live. <laughs> yeah, so you did mention the, uh, the pass interference. I did want to get to that because John Harbaugh clearly made a pass interference challenge uh, early on in the game where he was just kind of trying to test it out. Um, I think it was, who was it, like Snead or somebody caught one and he challenged, or no, it was somebody on the Packers that caught one. Yes. And he tried to challenge that it was offensive pass interference because you had somebody kind of running that little rubber out to get the guy free. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and like the Sandusky and Billick, they had no idea what he was even challenging and it was just kind of an obscure thing and he was clearly just trying to gauge where you know, where this challenge is and isn't going to work. And it didn't work in that instance. So like, what do you think about kind of the rule overall? You already touched on that. You're not a fan of it. What do you see? What do you go for? I just had this thought that you should not be able, you should only be able to challenge defensive pass interference. I think that you should only be able to challenge that way because offensive pass interference is way too subjective and you should be, I, I don't like throwing the flag on a receiver. Um, I just think it's a little fishy. I don't know how to put it exactly, but I think it would be smoother. There would be less flags, less stoppages. if It was just on defense. And I think that a lot more of the problems are on defense. I mean, receivers get pressed at the line. So there's that five yard buffer before it becomes holding or pass interference. And I just think that um, it would be a little bit more effective. So Antoine Wesley ended up getting the catch. And then Joe Callahan was sacked. The third string line is in with like Applefield and uh, 66, the third string center. One of the few guys whose name I can't remember. Uh, But interesting to see pass interference getting played out. I think it's going to be a little fishy and subjective. And I don't see it causing a ton of problems, but I see it causing too much stoppage. It It could cause problems for teams that do that whole OPI thing like as a habit like the Saints do it a lot the Patriots make a living off of it where that's true you if as long as you get the ball in a guy's hands other receivers that are in their area are just allowed to completely destroy guys in their immediate area on blocking so yeah that'll be interesting to see how that affects that because I know for a fact that the Patriots do that and there's a little bit of a loop yeah exactly there's a loophole where if you do a rub and you get the ball out just quick enough or, you know, just in time where you get it to the right guy's hands, then it's not going to be. So I think uh, if that becomes challengeable, then Belichick may have some problems on his hands. But I guess that doesn't really matter at this point. Moving forward, who were some of the kind of standout performers that you saw on both sides of the ball from tonight? I think it may be pretty obvious in this case, but I do want to get your thoughts. Um, Justice Hill has looked fantastic. He has been lightning in a bottle. And that's building off of last week's performance. He got some run with the first team. I'm really impressed with his ability between the B gaps to run inside zone and power schemes that are attacking uh, downhill. And this is my hot take of the night. Actually, I'll save this. I do have a hot take for later. But um, the three guys that I mentioned, I was impressed by Macari, Powers, and Illuminor all have had really strong performances. Um, Macari is a better pass blocker then he is a run blocker. I will say that. And Powers had uh, his most impressive snap of the night for me. I've pretty much only been staring at the offensive line since uh, the, f- the first team offense came out. Um, so Powers, the Packers ran a stunt. Powers picked up the defensive tackle, passed him off to Skura, 
and as he had like a aggression to go attack the right tackle's man and blew him way past the arc. Then conversely, the man that Skura had picked up from Powers, Makari ran into and gave like a, a long arm to jolt him into the anchor of Skura. And then Makari came and did the same thing that Powers did and kind of ran to go kick out the end who was running the arc and hand fighting with the left tackle. So they covered a ton of ground and they were both seeking contact, being aggressive. So that was really impressive for me. Um, other than that, Chris Moore, definite standout. Who do you have on the defensive side of the ball, Jake? Defensive, I had uh, Matt Cunon a little bit, uh, the birthday boy, I believe, correct? His birthday? Happy birthday, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yep, today's his birthday. He had a couple tackles. Uh, he got a sack in there, I think, on Kaiser. Um, yeah, I think he looked really good out there. He looked kind of like uh, one of those leaders of the defense. We were talking about how the, maybe there's a little bit of a void out there. Um, he was definitely a guy I was looking at. Um, looks like Chris Board got hurt. Is, is he going to be all right there? It looked like maybe a concussion. Yeah, probably concussion. Um, one of the guys in the Slack chat, one of the new writers, Taylor, said that shout Chris out Taylor Ford seems basically yeah, it basically seems a little passive, and I agree with that. Um, he kind of just stays in the wash and then tries to. He's like a see ball get ball, but he's not really taking on blocks. I don't see a world where Kenny Young doesn't out snap Chris Board this year, but Board uh, wishing him the best. He should be back shortly. For and, me, the. Uh, uh, the cornerbacks look good, too. I also wanted to mention that. I think just in general, that group is going to be uh, pretty tough to deal with. I think we already knew that going in, but Humphrey right. looked very good. Thomas was in support of them uh, a good deal. Brandon Carr also, I wanted to shout out. Didn't look like Jimmy Smith was active, but, uh, yeah, the cornerbacks also stood out to me. So Cyrus Jones played his tail off tonight. He actually got a ton of reps with the first team because I believe Tavon Young is out. Mm. So Cyrus Jones, I mean, He's making this team if he's playing second team slot and is as decent of a returner as he is, in my opinion. I've kind of been counting him out, I think we have as a whole. And back when you and Boz and I were doing those roster predictions, I think maybe two of the three of us were cutting him, but he is trending upwards big time. Definitely. Speaking of trending, before we move off of this topic, I did want to get your thoughts on Makari because he's a guy who's definitely been in the headlines, what would you say his stock is trending towards? Would be like up or down after tonight? Because it looks sounds like he did get a little bit of run here. He's he's making the team. Okay. He's making the team. Elaborate. I'm just going to put it that way. He is athletic. So there was an instance where tra he was in with the twos at this point. Uh, Luminor got most of the first team reps, maybe all of them, I can't fully recall, but at left guard. So... Uh, Macari came in at left guard and there was an instance where Trace McSorley play action dropped back and didn't see anything downfield, I guess, Mr. Reed, whatever. And Macari uh, kind of passed somebody off and then McSorley started to roll to his left and Macari put his head on a swivel, started to turn, look all around. And like I was saying earlier, he was seeking contact. He was actively trying to go find someone to block. McSorley rolled to his left. Macari full dead sprint across the sideline. A linebacker tried to come up to get in McSorley's face. And Macari, just kind of like a fullback, looked kind of like Pat Ricardo I compared him to last episode, just kind of put his head down, put his shoulders down, and gave him a nice hit and initiated contact, which walled that defender off and gave McSorley an extra step or two. Play didn't end up being successful. I think it was an incompletion, but he moves really well in space. He's really athletic. I mentioned last episode as well that he has a different build than Illuminor and Powers. He's more lean and uh, just doesn't look as 
pudgy, to be honest. Um, so I've, I'm impressed. I think he's making the team as a backup interior offensive lineman. It looks like he's out snapping Bradley Bozeman, and Makari was also getting uh, some snaps at center. So wouldn't be surprised to see Bozeman maybe go or and Makari make it because he's looking damn good. Mm. Hall of Fame use of the word pudgy there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, moving, moving on from that, um, I wanted to talk a little overreactions. Um, I had one. I don't know if this technically counts. You just hit on Pat Ricard. I think Pat Ricard is making this team. What say you? Not an overreaction, my friend. He's okay. Locked. He's been, I'm going to say it for the third straight episode, put him in defensively. This is what I want. He showed it tonight. Who's, Whose stock is down? Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams against the run is great. Everyone knows that. Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, both on first down. Fantastic. Can't run the ball inside. Brandon Williams on third down. Get him the hell off the field. Willie Henry better be out there. And Pat Ricard pushes the pocket every single snap. And I know Ricard's not going against the ones, but Brandon, have you ever seen Brandon Williams push a pocket? Seriously. Maybe like once. Exactly. He never pushes the pocket. He just sits there. He's too short and stout to get his arms up and deflect any balls or anything. I don't get it. Boz was saying. Dude, he hates uh, Brandon Williams. I mean. He hates Brandon. (laughs) I put it this way. If Brandon Williams wasn't durable, I would want him gone off this team. He's like a good run. He's just so overpaid that I think people are kind of warped on him, which is totally fair. Like he definitely got overpaid. I don't think he got overpaid at the time because without Michael Pierce, like Michael Pierce wasn't a thing. Yeah, it was 2016. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, I think, the year before. I think Pierce was a rookie in 2017. I th- no, I think he had been a rookie that year, but he hadn't. He was. He still wasn't Michael Pierce. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he wasn't taking as much snaps. You know, and Michael Pierce only took. Oh my gosh, our boy Tyler Irvin just rumbled through an arm tackle. He's looking great too. But so anyway, Brandon Williams. Um, was paid because when he's out, when he was out the season prior, Ravens run defense, no bueno. And I think the stats only said that William, like without Williams, it was only like 12 more yards per game. I'm not looking at the rushing stats as much as I'm looking at on third and two teams were eight, were more successful. And you can tell that the A gap and B gap were being dominated by the offensive line more. So he was paid in fear of him not being there more so than like, him being a superstar or something. And Michael Pierce has emerged, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. And it, let's say Michael Pierce didn't end up panning out. Then everyone would have said, why did you not pay Brandon Williams? The Ravens are getting gashed against the run. When does that happen? So he'll, uh, I think, it, it's, I don't think this is the last year of his contract, but I think it's a lot less dead money if we part ways with him next year. So we shall see. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he, he's kind of a, it's a tough, kind of thing with him where I think he is a very good player, great run defender, but yeah, it's just tough with the contract he got. You got to be a little bit less one-dimensional than that. Um, but moving on from the overreactions, let's do a little highlight of the game here. Uh, let's start with you. What was your highlight of the game? I think I know what yours is because you said it before. So I'm obviously going to go with Lamar, hold me closer, Tony Danza, tap dancing his way to the end zone. Unbelievable, unbelievable run that was called back on a Willie Sneed knockout, which was 
That's a that's a highlight in and of itself. He freaking suplexed that guy. It was like Bolden on fourth and twenty nine. Like, geez. Yeah, that was I pretty identical. Ended that man's night. Um, took him out. But let's just talk about Lamar. This is we were talking about it. So us and Emery Hunt, since we had Emery on the show, have had a nice little Twitter uh, group chat. Yeah, and shout out Emery. Emery. I think Emery like li- really likes the Ravens, kind of. Doesn't it seem that way? It does seem that way. He started that group chat, so I- I'm all in yeah, on he that. He messaged us, and we were like, all right, hey, what's up, Emery? I like this. Yeah, but um, so he seems to take an intrigue. But anyway, so we're talking in there and stuff, and Jake and I both agree, and apparently we both kind of made the same comparison. Lamar Jackson is NFL Russell Westbrook, like NFL Allen Iverson, but more so Westbrook. He is a scoring point guard. If you give Russell Westbrook the lane, he is going to go absolutely tomahawk over a center. It does not matter. Once you give him momentum, he is going to beat his man. If there's an open three, is Lamar Jackson the best deep passer if there's an open receiver? No, he's not. No one's going to say that. Neither of us are going to say that. He's working on it. Is Russell Westbrook a great passer? Yeah, he averages 10 assists a game for, what, five years now? Averaging a triple-double. Lamar Jackson is a walking triple-double as a football player, and that's the best way to put it. If you give him green grass, he's going to take it, and he's going to make you pay, plain and simple. Yeah, it's a fun comparison, and that was... I definitely wrote that one down, too. I mean, he broke that first defender's ankles, and then let's not forget, after the you know, quote unquote, illegal block by Snead. He freaking hurdled that other guy that kind of went for the knees there. And he just like the way that this obviously isn't going to be talked about, but the way that he just kind of glides into the end zone, he's just so like willy nilly about it. He just hands the ball off. It's like this guy is a freaking alien. Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't know. It's just incredible to watch. So he he definitely was on my highlights. Obviously, I mentioned the uh, dart there by Tracy Nitus to uh, Chris Moore. Great throw. Probably the best throw of the night by either quarterback. Um, I don't know if he's going to make the team. I hope he does. But, I mean, that definitely helps his case as a quarterback. Um, And, yeah, he also had a nice little scramble there on fourth down and one to uh, keep the the drive alive. So, I don't know. I think uh, just, you know, helping his chances as a quarterback only helps him because I think they viewed him as a special teams guy to begin with. But he had a solid night tonight, too. I thought he looked a lot better last week than he did, or excuse me, he looked a lot better tonight than he did last week. Uh, threw a couple of money balls, including that more pass. He was, I mean, like I said, actually, I think I wrote this in an article. He, so what I've seen in practice is that McSorley in the red zone drills, red zone seven on seven and 11 on 11, really puts some mustard on his ball and zing some heaters. And he looks like he was doing that all over the field tonight, getting the ball out quicker getting more comfortable in the offense. I mean, the dude's been an NFL player for five months. You know, he's a rookie. And I think that a lot of other rookie quarterbacks would look a lot worse. Joe Callahan has fumbled like two or three snaps in the last two series. Um, There's a minute 15 left and Ravens are punting the ball up 13. So this will be win number 15. But anyway, back to what we were saying. Um, Yeah, I think Trace looked great. I don't think he should make the 53-man squad if RG3 is able to come back. But he should certainly make the practice squad like a hundred percent be on the practice squad. So I did want to ask you this. What is the deal with like the offense when he comes onto the field? Because it's so different. It's a lot more eye formation, a lot more just run it straight downhill. What do you see like differently when he's in there as opposed to when Jackson's in there? So they have been putting McSorley under center a lot more. 
you're right about that. And Jackson almost never runs center. I think uh, like 96% of the last seven weeks of the regular season was at a shotgun. I think it's because um, they run a lot of power concepts and a lot of power blocking, or excuse me, power pass pro, which means kind of pulling guards in pass pro. And I think they want McSorley to have a lot more play action. McSorley's a little shorter, and I think they kind of like when he gets lost in the mix and can step up in the pocket. And they just want to take the pressure off, uh, kind of thinking, oh, you know, McSorley's in, he's green, he's new, they're going to run the ball. But McSorley also ran a lot more uh, under center at Penn State, so I think they're more comfortable, which I give kudos to the Ravens because they have never tried to make Lamar Jackson into something he's not. Um, I think that they kind of kept the training wheels on a little too long last year. And that hurt them, especially in the wild card game, but they've never tried to make him into a pro style five step, seven step drop back passer, which would be a waste, you know? And uh, Emery hunt actually brought up Charlie Ward, who was a Heisman winner back in the early nineties. And it was the same thing, you know, Oh, you're not six foot five. Oh, you didn't play a ton of pro. Oh, you can't play quarterback. No, let's adapt to the player's strength. Let's not make them be. Let's not make a sheep be a llama. I like the use of llama there. That's a little ironic, don't you think? Yes, sir. Okay, not a Ravens redditor. That's fine. Um, <laughs> did you have a broadcast highlight of the game? I wanted to ask. Yes, it was Brian Billick and Jerry Sandusky. Go, actually, have two. Go ahead. You go first. You go first. Yeah. So mine was the. Uh, Dalen Mack Cinnabon human interest story where uh, Dalen Mack forgot to bring Cinnabons or whatever uh, pastries in for the veterans. They all took a little bit of a serious umbrage to to this and they packed his truck full of packing peanuts uh, and he came out and noticed that it was blasted all over social media. I think like Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas were having a little bit, a little bit of fun with it. He winds up, yeah, Chris Wormsley, and then he goes on to social media, he shouts out Cinnabon, they get in touch, they help him out with it, and he comes in the next couple of days or whatever it is with a whole bunch of Cinnabon, so the hazing doesn't have to continue, Um, and I I just think they did a great job, the local broadcast team covering that, it was a great piece of, uh, in my opinion, what should be Emmy-winning journalism. They do, the Ravens production team does win a lot of Emmys. Yeah, no yeah, no BS, they're great. They won like 13 Emmys at the last ceremony or something r- completely ridiculous. Um that was a really funny one. I didn't even think about that one when we we're going to do this, but so my two, the first one was I think it might have just been a slip of the tongue, but uh Sandusky and Billick were gushing over the tight end group and Andrews and Hurst and they were doing a split screen comparison of statistics and where the two were drafted and blah 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 blah. And they'd just been talking about Boykin and how impressive Boykin is. Oh, I caught that too, yeah. Yeah, and then Brian Billick was like, yeah, and then when you add Boykin into the equation, this is going to be a really formidable tight end group. And Sandusky was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, "Uh, I hope you meant Boyle because Boykin's not a tight end. Um, But then the second one was them talking about Jalen Ferguson. This one was really neat. So they said, ooh, Trace Unitas is up getting interviewed right now. But anyway, so – hurry. They were talking about um, Jalen Ferguson, who did a really outstanding job tonight setting the edge. He's been so violent. But anyway, so they said they sat down with him in the in the uh, media meeting a couple of days ago, and they 
asked him, hey, Jalen, you know, uh, what was your first big purchase after you got drafted? And Jalen said that he took his twin six-year-old little sisters to Walmart, and he basically gave them a basket and said, girls, go get whatever you want. And they were just, like, filled with joy. He said he didn't have a ton of money growing up, et cetera. And then uh, one of them was, like, trying to put a bike into the shopping cart or something of the sort. And he was like, just just wheel it on the side. I'll get you the bike. It's okay. But that was really cool, and I thought that was really nice and shows what kind of guy Jalen Ferguson is. And he wasn't invited to the Combine because he's gotten a fight in McDonald's when he was, like, 19 or something. So I just thought that that was really nice and showed Ferguson's character a little bit of a puff piece, but a really interesting and enjoyable one. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you got any more thoughts uh, on the game sp- specifically, or should we move along here? Um, as a whole, the Ravens do not have a ton of blue chip players. They do in Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Marshall Yonda is aging, but I would still put him in that category and maybe argue that Lamar Jackson is one, but th- man... There is very little drop-off from Team 1 to Team 2, the first and second team unit. This team is has to be one of the deepest in the NFL. They have immense... I mean, Shane Ray is like the sixth outside linebacker, and he was a first-round pick who had an eight-sack season three years ago and has had a ton of quarterback hits. Then I'm really happy to see that the offensive line looked a lot better tonight and that Lamar Jackson was calm, cool, collected, and stumbling, rumbling, bumbling to the end zone on that beautiful 18-yard touchdown run. He he hurled a guy like it was child's play, and that was awesome. So those are my thoughts of the evening. What about you, Jake? Yeah, my last one was that, uh, you know, overreaction is very understandable for preseason, but I think the it's just kind of the truth that you want to see, honestly. Confirmation bias is very easy to fall into. So mm. you look at last week, I think people were either anointing or burying Lamar kind of based on whichever side they're – sort of falling a little bit with their bias uh, for or against him. But I think, you know, this week he had a pretty strong overall performance. So it just goes to show you probably shouldn't overreact one way or another just one week in. And we definitely shouldn't overreact two weeks in or even three. We really should wait until the uh, regular season gets going. But uh, week to week, it's just tough to tell with these things. And uh, you really just hope he gets himself comfortable and in control heading into the regular season. And that was just kind of my thought because I thought he had a very solid night tonight. I agree. And with Lamar, I you, you refer to the confirmation bias, which absolutely is the case. But what I've seen in practice matches what I've seen in games, and both have been strong. So he is consistent, much more consistent. He had one pass tonight that was like, a, I think it was a play action. I don't want to call it an RPO, but uh, it was like a little quick hitter to Hurst. It was a little bit behind him, and uh, Hurst wasn't able to snag it off the ground and wasn't in a perfect place, but... He's not the most accurate passer in the world. He's probably never going to be. It's, I don't think he's struggling with accuracy or consistency in his throwing motion at all anymore, and he's just going to keep getting more comfortable. But um, it was crazy on Twitter tonight. We were talking about it a little bit, seeing how many people were overreacting to saying that he had two open receivers and why is he running the ball and yada, yada, yada. And it seems like people almost want the guy to get hurt that are fans of other teams and perhaps some Ravens fans. And, it's just comical and also pitiful at this point. And we were saying with Emery in that, that little chat we were referring to that it's so old already. And he's only in his second year of talking, you know, the running back jokes and all that stuff. And at this point, I love it. I think it's hilarious. I love to hear it and see people. And I'm just excited for once Lamar Jackson takes your team down that uh, 
you've been hooting and hollering he's a running back, then what are you going to say after he beats you? Because I think this team's going to rack up at least nine or ten Ws this year. So excited to see what they can do based on practice and uh, these really strong two preseason games. The final in Baltimore tonight, 26 to 13, 15 consecutive preseason games. And including the preseason, the Ravens have now won 21 or excuse me, four. They've lost two of their last. What is it? Six and all right. If you're going to do the big preseason stat, you cannot screw that up. Over their last 10 games, they are eight (laughs) to two, including the preseason. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, perfect. Really brought that around. I am struggling with my mental math on this (laughs) Thursday evening. It's okay. After a couple of, I know you've had a couple of pops. That's all right. I have two. What, me acting like two beers affects my ability to add like seven and three or whatever it was? Well, I've seen you at happy hour before, so. Yeesh. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) All right, Uh, well. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up for me, and I'm really excited heading into next week. Uh, Aside from Chris Board and, you know, a couple guys slightly banged up, knock on wood, Ravens are looking damn healthy and looking good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you did, please be sure to leave a review. Five stars would be preferable. Give us a nice little comment. You can troll us in the comments if you want in the please iTunes. Do. Yeah, please yeah, definitely. Yeah, please do if you want to. It- troll positive podcast. Absolutely, we are very troll posy. So if you want to leave a nice uh, five star rating, you can review whatever you want and troll us. Please subscribe. Uh, yeah. And, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Jake Luke. I also run the Baltimore beatdown podcast Twitter account, which is at podcast beatdown. The good Dr. Schultz, where can they find you on Twitter? Ravens number four dummies, D U M M I E S. I'm also now managing the Baltimore beatdown Facebook page, which has a really strong following as well as the Instagram it's not hard to find either of them. Just search Baltimore Beatdown, and they will be the first ones to pop up. We're really enjoying getting this podcast ramped up. We did work on getting some video content. I had a little slip-up uh, snafu, if you will, with my software that I'm getting worked out with. What does that service. stand for? What? Snafu. I actually thought it was just a word that meant like a little discrepancy. Oh, oh you don't know. I've, it's a word for like discrepancy, to my knowledge. I don't think. It's uh, well, yeah, it is. It is. Yes, it's a, is yeah, it's an acronym. It is. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a French word. <laughs> <laughs> this is a. Uh, so, have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Maybe. You know Fubar. Yes. You know how they think it was a German word. Yep. <laughs> so you thinking that's a French word is actually really funny because that's like an unwitting Saving Private Ryan reference. I was doing it on purpose the entire time, I swear. Just kidding. I'm right. sure you were. Google it. All right. Well, well uh, why don't you tell me? Tell me what Snafu is then. No, yeah. Just Google it offline. This is a family podcast. Okay. Family podcast. Uh, don't go Google it then if you're under the age of 55 years old. 18. 18. Don't Google it. You're not that. allowed to cuss until you're 18. Do not cuss. This is uh, a not a cuss-friendly podcast. Watch your mouth, young man. I am. Peace out. See you guys.
You see, I don't I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm -hmm. I love sacks. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running folks down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. You in the gutter. You yeah, I like that. You in the gutter. I like that bump of grass. He like the trick. That boy like to get down. Down and dirty. I like busting up screens. I just like hitting quarterbacks. That's what I'm saying. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>